0: Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth or innovation in her organization or community? The 2nd Annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So, whether a friend, a family member or peer give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities. And the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today.
1: And what I challenge people to do to become better listeners is as you're listening, ask yourself, what's the bottom line to what the person's saying? So you really lean in rather than jumping into your head, judging, evaluating, and preparing. So it all starts with listening for sure. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada.
0: I recently had the incredible opportunity to interview Matt Abrahams, and he's a leading expert in the field of communications. As a professor at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business and a sought-after speaker, Matt has shared his wisdom with countless individuals, helping them become confident and compelling presenters. You'll quickly see in our conversation how he does that. Now, in our conversation, Matt revealed his strategies that can transform your communication skills very easily. Whether you're gearing up for a high-stakes talk, or aiming to engage your audience better on social media the point is he's going to help you with that anxiety that you get and also give you insight that'll probably empower you now he also draws from the experience of coaching a lot of different people and also running a great podcast called think fast talk smart he brings a lot of knowledge in his book speaking up without freaking out is something you need to pick up. Listen into this conversation. You're going to have fun here. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, Success Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Tristan, and I've got Matt Abrahams with me. Matt, you've got a new book, Think Faster, Talk Smarter. Tell me about the book, man.
1: Thanks, Tristan, for having me. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. I have to let you know that the biggest challenge many people face in their communication is the fact that we need to be more confident. And if we do any training in communication, we focus mostly on planned things that we do like pitches and meetings and presentations. But the reality is this, most of our communication Is in the moment. It's spontaneous. It's answering questions. It's giving feedback in the moment. It's fixing the flubs and faux pas that we make. So the book is really designed to help people feel more comfortable and confident in the moment when speaking. And it's based on work that I've done at Stanford's Graduate School of Business, where we really work to help our students feel more comfortable and confident when they're in those challenging situations. And it starts in our classrooms where you probably remember, Tristan, when the evil mean professor would point at you and say, what do you think? And all of a sudden you had to respond to that cold call. So we're trying to equip our students while they're with us and beyond.
0: I like that, man. And you're right. When you said that we typically plan for these bigger talks or these presentations that we have to do, but we never seem to plan for the... Possible spontaneous and quite often moments, right, that that we encounter. So where do we start when it comes to getting better at these spontaneous moments? Just on the response, because I screw up a lot on
1: those. You're not alone. We all do. Uh, so to me, there's a methodology and a process. And that's what the new book talks about. And it's something I've been working on for for quite a long time, many, many years. And it really has two major components. There's There's the mindset that you have going in. And then there's the messages that you create. So in terms of mindset, it starts with managing the anxiety. Many of us get nervous in these high stakes, spontaneous situations. When you're interviewing for a job and somebody asks you a question, that's high stakes. When your boss turns to you in a meeting and says, what do you think? That's high stakes. So we have to manage anxiety. And then the next thing mindset-wise is we have to see these circumstances as opportunities. Many of us see these as threats and challenges. And when you feel threatened and challenged, one, you're more nervous, and two, it's harder to think. So if we envision these as actually opportunities, so when you ask me an interview question, I could see this as an opportunity to expand, to extend, to connect. And so we have to change the way we view this. And then we also have to listen carefully. You know, if you and I are coming out of a meeting and you ask me, you say, hey, Matt, how do you think that went? And I just immediately click into my, well, here are the three things you did wrong, and here's what you could do better, because I heard you ask for feedback. But if I didn't listen carefully, Tristan, and realize that what you were really asking because of the way you said it was that you wanted a little support, you felt beat up in that meeting. And when I jump into all the things that you did wrong... I'm not helping you in that moment. So from a mindset perspective, we have to manage our anxiety, see these situations as opportunities. And then we also have to listen carefully to make sure we're responding to what's really needed in the moment, not what we think is needed in the moment. So that's mindset. Mm. And then we can spend a lot of time talking about how we craft messages that are focused and clear and well-structured. So the process is about mindset and messages.
0: Mindset and messages. All right, so let's, stick around to the mindset one a little bit longer because mm-hmm. I also want to talk about messages. You you talk about listening and in one of your podcasts, because I have it up. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who haven't checked out Matt's podcast, it's called Think Fast, Talk Smart Podcast. So jump on that one. You've got one that's uh, May 9th. It says, listen, listen, listen. How mm-hmm. mm-hmm. deep connection. That's the first thing I thought of when you were talking about listening. And I find that most of us, you You were mentioning in interviews and situations mm-hmm. where we feel like this this can determine where I go next, right? Those situations. those are a little scary. So we're thinking ahead a lot of the times. we're thinking, well, how am I going to respond? what what should I say? Mm-hmm. Is that what we should be doing, or how should we listen better in those situations?
1: Yeah. So thank you for mentioning the podcast. Think Fast, Talk Smart. We've been around for about three years. It's all about communication. I have to tell you two things come up that are consistent across our almost 100 episodes now, which is you have to be a better listener and it's all about your audience. So really it's about empathy. The key message from what we we take from the the many, many podcasts I've done is we have to be empathetic we have to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and we work against ourselves you know we're very poor listeners as you implied we we listen just enough to get the gist of what somebody's saying and then we start judging what they're saying evaluating what we might say and planning that means we're not in the moment we're not really connecting And it gets, you know, and I am, I am not above this. I I can't tell you, you know, as somebody who teaches communication skills at Stanford and other places, my wife, not a, not a week goes by where at some point my wife is not asking me, what is it you teach? Because I don't listen as well as I could. In fact, my wife will sometimes, when she leaves me a voicemail, put the most important thing at the end, just to see if I listened wow. all Wow, those-
0: you're still yeah, being yeah. tested, I love it. I am
1: still being tested, because I need to work on it. So the point is this, that we can all get better at listening. It's about being present. It's about really focusing on what needs to be done. And what I challenge people to do, to become better listeners, is as you're listening, Ask yourself, what's the bottom line to what the person's saying? So you really lean in rather than jumping into your head, judging, evaluating, and preparing. So it all starts with listening for sure.
0: I like that, man. One of the things I've noticed in, in listening better, right? Because I'm working on it still. Mm-hmm.
1: My wife's got lots of techniques she can use to help <laughs> I bet she does. So
0: does mine. Go, yeah. Um Writing. Writing it down as you li- that always helps me slow down.
1: Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: But you're also showing your age. Uh, a lot of us of our vintage uh, do that, and I th- and I think the younger versions, uh, the younger folks, could benefit as well from writing. You know, it's different when you type it into a phone. It's different when you're texting. It, it's much more distracting when you're looking at a blank piece of paper with a pen in your hand. You're able to focus more. And I think if I'm sitting here with my phone. Keying in what you say, I'm not sure that does the same thing. That's an interesting research question. Um, Do you get the same value when you take notes texting versus writing in a conversation? Maybe if you shut off all
0: notifications. There you
1: go. That's right. That's right.
0: I like that, man. All right. So now let's talk about messages. Yeah. What?
1: Where do you go with that? So the first part is obviously mindset, working on the anxiety, reframing how you see things, listening well. Messages are really important. That's what you speak. When it comes to messaging, we have to actually have structure. Our brains do not do well with just lists of information. Bullet points on a slide are not helpful for people actually engaging and learning and and remembering. Our brains are wired. And in writing the book, I interviewed several neuroscientists. Our brains are wired for story. In fact, we call it episodic memory. Long term memory is also called episodic memory. Episodes, we remember things as stories. So, if I can structure information in a way that's logical, a beginning, a middle, and an end, then it can help. Let me give you an example, Tristan. My favorite structure in the whole world is answering three questions what, so what, now what. So when I when I describe something to you, if I teach something to you, if I'm telling you about my upcoming weekend, I start by telling you the what. Here's what I'm doing, here's my answer, here's my product, my service. Then I move on to so what. Why is it important for you? We we've already discussed that if it's not relevant to your audience, then why should they care? So you need to spend some time with the so what? Here's what this means for you. And then now what is what comes next? So it could be, let's set up a different meeting. Let me take your questions. Let me show you on the map where I'm spending my weekend. So what, so what, now what is just one example of many structures that can help us package information up. It packages it so our audience can remember it and digest it easily. It helps us focus our thoughts on the things that are most important. And it allows us to be connected to the moment because we're not worried about how we're going to say what we're going to say. We just put it in a structure. In some ways, it's like a recipe. You can cook a really good meal if you have a really good recipe. And that's what a structure is. It's a recipe for how to package up your information.
0: I like that, man. I like yeah. that. So should we be, when, you, when you're saying what, so what, now what, mm-hmm. this is how we should be thinking on how we're responding, uh-huh. right? Absolutely. If we go, If we go just a, a step back, how should we be thinking on the listening
1: side then? How should we be absorbing it? Great question. You can leverage the same structure. So when you are reading something or when you're in a meeting and somebody's speaking, think to yourself, what is this about? Why is it important? And what can I do with the information? So all of a sudden I am using the structure to help me filter. And as I was mentioning before, when you listen in that way, you actually listen better. You're more focused and you're not distracted by your judgments, evaluations, and preparations. So absolutely. You know, if you ever played a sport, Tristan, or a musical instrument, the way you got better was practicing. The easiest way to practice structure, especially this structure, what so what now what is just to listen, listen to a podcast. What's it about? Why is it important? What can I do with it? When you read something, what's it about? Why is it important? What can I do with it? Really, really important.
0: I like that, man. That's very key. All right. So confidence in in, in interviewing different entrepreneurs and being in, in, in the business world, I, I do find that confidence is extremely important so that people can feel like you can get the job done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, a lot of us sometimes struggle with that confidence, at least portraying it outwardly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can we do a better job when it comes to confidence when we're talking to people?
1: Absolutely. So anxiety looms large in all communication. The first book I wrote is called Speaking Up Without Freaking Out. And that whole book is based on how to be more comfortable and confident in high stakes speaking situations. So it really boils down to two things. Symptom and sources. So we need to do things to manage our symptoms. I don't know about you, but when I get nervous, I blush and I perspire. Some people get shaky. Some people get dry mouth, lots of physical symptoms. And there are things we can do to mitigate and adjust and adapt to those symptoms. And then we have to think about sources. These are the things that actually initiate and exacerbate our anxiety. So let me give you one example of each. Mm -hmm. The single best thing you can do when you get anxious in any circumstance, but especially in speaking, is to take some deep belly breaths, the kind that you would do if you've ever done yoga or Tai Chi, where you're really filling your lower abdomen. This yeah. reduces and slows down your autonomic nervous system, and and something fascinating. You know, I've been doing this work for decades, Tristan. Uh, but one of my podcast podcast guests, his name is Andrew Huberman. A- a- Andrew's uh, done amazingly well. He has his own podcast now. He knows a lot about. He's a neuroscientist by training, and he taught me something I did not know that I've been teaching people for for years. He said, Matt, what's important about breathing is not the inhalation; it's the exhalation. And I was like, blew my mind because I've been telling people take a deep breath, meaning focus on the inhale, but it's really the exhale. So the rule of thumb, or shall I say the rule of lung is you want your exhale to be twice as long as your inhale. So if you take a three count in, take a six count out, it only takes two or three times. And that will actually slow down your autonomic nervous system's response, slow down your heart rate, slow down your your fast talking that many people do. So if you said you can only give me one bit of advice for managing symptoms, it would be a deep breath. I've got lots of other things we could talk about there. Let me talk about sources, though, the other side of the equation. These are things that initiate and make anxiety worse. Many of us are made nervous because of the goal we're trying to achieve. When we speak... We have goals. That's important. My students want to get a good grade. You might want to close that deal. Uh, Entrepreneurs might want to get funding. So there are all these goals that we have. So what makes us nervous is our fear of not achieving that goal, which is another way of saying we're afraid of a potential negative future outcome goals about the future. So the way to short circuit goal-based anxiety is to become present oriented. By definition, if I'm in the present moment, I'm not worried about the future. So anything that gets you present oriented. I don't know what you do Tristan to to get present oriented. I I like to do physical things. So I'll walk around the building. I'll do a few jumping jacks in a meeting room where people are present. I'll come talk to them before I start the meeting or start my presentation. You can Listen to music. Athletes do this all the time to get themselves in the present moment. Uh, What I recommend people do two silly things. Start at 100 and count backwards by some challenging number, like 17s. In order to do that correctly, you have to be present oriented or say a simple tongue twister. That sounds silly, but by saying a tongue twister, saying it right, you have to be in the present moment. So this is all to say that there are lots of ways to manage speaking anxiety to become more confident. One is you have to deal with your symptoms. I gave the example of deep breaths. The other is sources. One big source is our goal, and we have to be present oriented.
0: Dude, that I like that man. You just make me think, made me think through it, and I'm like, wait, what a second, what do I do? Yeah, right, so, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I write. Yeah. So, I'm actually, I become super present when I'm writing. I'm like, this is it, present. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that earlier. Now, the deep breaths, I have interviewed different Marines and in, f- in fact oh, yeah. Jocko and I talked and we were oh, going. Good. Yeah. So that this makes a lot of sense, man. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah.
1: yeah. And 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 the, the military has very specific type of breathing, box breathing and other types of breathing, all to get you present and to calm down and slow your heart rate down.
0: Yeah. And then and then you start relaxing. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I, I love this. I love where this is going. So yeah. if if you look back to helping people communicate better, what has helped you specifically? How have you become better in speaking? Because I, I think we all approach it differently depending on yeah. what our challenges are.
1: Yeah. What about? You? So at the highest level, I think all, I agree, everybody has different challenges and issues, and I'm happy to share what mine are. Uh, But at the highest level, the only way you get better at anything, especially speaking is three things, repetition, reflection, and feedback. So you have to practice. Many of us are so nervous that we don't give ourselves the reps to get better. So you have to put yourself in circumstances where you can practice, find low stakes circumstances at work or with your family or friends where you can practice speaking. Uh, join Toastmasters, a wonderful organization to help people. Uh, Another is you take classes at local community colleges. I taught at a community college for almost 15 years, a a long while ago. They're great resources. Um, So that's the repetition. You got to get the reps in. Reflection. You know, Many of us are so busy or so nervous about speaking that we don't take time to reflect on what worked and what didn't work. You know that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's how we communicate. I go from one meeting to the next. I don't think about, did that land? Did that work? What happened? So we have to reflect. And then finally, we have to look for feedback. We are not all experts ourselves. There are people who are better. Seek out a coach, seek out a friend, seek out a mentor, get them to give you honest, direct feedback. Don't just say, how did that go? Because everybody's going to say it went well. Say things like, what can I specifically do to be more persuasive or to appear more confident or to be clearer? When you ask for specific types of feedback, you will get specific types of feedback. So. Everybody can work on repetition, reflection, and feedback. In terms of of myself, what am I working on? I am constantly working to be more focused and concise. I know that's a little ironic as I keep talking on your podcast, but uh, those are the challenges I face.
0: Interesting, man. You you know, as I'm I'm listening to you, I'm also listening to your your tonality and Mm -hmm. where you pause. Mm -hmm. How, How much of that, because... I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I have kids, so yeah, of course, yeah. it's it all of these YouTube videos, right? <laughs> I'm surprised
1: uh, it's just YouTube and not TikTok. I've got I've got older TikTok kids, so that's too, what we're yeah. on. Yeah,
0: everything. Yeah, um, and you have you have a really engaging tone, and oh. you pause at the right times. Thank you. And I want to know is that is that practiced? Did tell me about that because I I think you have a great voice for engaging people.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I have to admit that uh, I have been told I have a nice voice before and I, I find it highly, I just, it's strange because my father has an amazing voice. He's got this deep resonant voice. And to me, he's got a great voice. So when people say that to me, I'm like, no, I don't. He, he's got the better <laughs> voice. But uh, to get to your question, you know, th- there is purpose in in how I speak, where I enunciate, where I pause, but it's Learned. It's it's innate now. There, much earlier in my life, I spent a lot of time. I used to say, um, and uh, a lot. I had a, a filler word I would use basically all the time. And I worked really, really hard many, many years ago to reduce them. I'm not perfect, but I I am a better than I used to be. So there was a time where I was very deliberate in my speaking. And now that's just become innate to me. And I share that with people because you have to work at this. There are people who, I I like to liken improving communication skills to, to climbing a mountain. We all start at different places on the mountain. But we're all working in the same direction. And and so some of you, uh, some of your listeners listening in who who struggle to communicate might be farther away from others on the mountain, but we're all there and we're all working to get better. So, yes, I I worked very hard at it. And and thank you for recognizing that that some of what I worked on has been successful.
0: It is, man. You would make a great YouTube channel, by the way. So maybe that's, <laughs> I that's have what lots of videos.
1: I do have a YouTube channel, actually, and I have lots of videos out there. Um, oh, yeah. Search my name on YouTube and, you, and you'll, you, you, I can't imagine anybody wants to listen to me more than they already are. But if if uh, they want to, they can go there.
0: Confidence. I think it's good. Yeah. I remember, I think you've got like 17,000 subscribers. So it's pretty decent, man. I like well, that. Well, thank
1: you. Yeah. The, I've had a couple talks do very well. Uh, and I think that's driving some of that. But uh, thank you.
0: So when it comes to filler words that you're talking about, the mm-hmm. um, and maybe awkward words that we throw out there when we're pausing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we begin to replace those? Yeah, through, through just simple awareness, or or what?
1: Yeah, so uh, a couple things I'd like to say about that. So yes, awareness is the most important part. You can't change something you do not know you're doing. So you have to become aware. How do you become aware? You ask for feedback, and as painful as this sounds, although we were just talking about videos, record yourself, audio or video tools like we're using now, virtual tools, your voice memo on your phone. When you hear it, you become aware of it. So awareness is number one. There are specific types of things we need to know in terms of our expectations. One is the goal is not to eliminate all filler words. We would sound robotic. In fact, playwrights, screenwriters, they actually purposely build in some filler words. So it sounds real. So the goal is not to eliminate. The goal is to reduce so they're not distracting. A couple ways to do that. Uh, One is awareness building, as we said, and there are tools that can help you be aware, not just recording tools. There are apps that you can get that will actually bing and beep and vibrate every time you use a filler word. There's one called like so because so many people say like and so uh, <laughs> or it's you a know, couple bucks you know, you know yeah you know oh absolutely in fact I, I'm going to come back to you know, in a second um and, and then there's another one I love it's called poised com. it's it's actually a browser insert the they're tools that help you with these kind of things Uh, You mentioned my podcast earlier, Tristan, and I had a linguist on and she was just amazing. And she talks about why we say, you know, and how filler words actually help us. And they serve a purpose, uh, which blew my mind because I thought they were just, the whole sole purpose was to annoy me. But in fact, they do serve serve a purpose. I'm not the expert, so I'll leave it to her to explain those. How do we get rid of them? The ones that bother us the most are the ones that come between phrases and sentences. So if I'm speaking, um, and I say a few, um, while I'm speaking, they're not as bothersome as the ones when I stop. Um, and then I say something. So the ones that come between our sentences and phrases are the ones that we really hear. And there's a way to work on this and it's hard, but you can do it. If you train yourself So at the end of your sentences, when you are done speaking, you completely are out of breath. You must inhale to say something else. Speaking is an exit only event. You have to be breathing out to speak. You cannot say something while inhaling. So if I train myself to land my phrases, to finish completely out of breath, I have to inhale before I can say something again, which means I can't say anything while inhaling. So I can get rid of those between sentence and phrase filler words by practicing landing my phrase completely out of breath, inhaling. And not only do I get rid of the filler words, I actually build in pauses and pauses are important. You actually notice the way I pause. Mm -hmm. Pausing can be helpful. So this, this requires practice. We're mostly not used to landing phrases out of breath. But if we do, good things can happen.
0: That makes sense, of course. Obviously, when you told me, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
1: Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges, and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. So tell me
0: how you recover from an awkward something awkward, and I'll give you an example specifically. You know. We're speaking sometimes, going back yeah. and forth. It's already, maybe it's a newer conversation with somebody new that you don't know. Right. Or a situation like you were talking about interviewing. And then you have that that lump in your throat where you have to swallow and you're like, now it's really awkward. Like,
1: how do you recover from that quicker? So a couple things. One, we have to realize that we are paying more attention to ourselves than others are. In fact, in psychology, there, there's a name for this. It's called the spotlight effect, and researchers have found that we pay much more attention to what we're doing and what we think other people are thinking about what we're doing than others actually spend. So, when I have an awkward moment, maybe it's a it's a longer pause or a swallow or I, I misspeak in a certain way, we we get very nervous about that and we start worrying about. It. We think, "Oh my goodness, everybody's noticing." The reality is. Everybody else is also so worried about what you're thinking about them that nobody has the bandwidth to really focus on these things. Now, clearly, clearly I'm exaggerating here. Certainly people do focus on you and you do need to be present yourself with a strong, confident presence. But the first thing to realize is that you have access to information that others don't. In my strategic communication class at Stanford's business school, the We make all of our students, when they present, they get professionally video video recorded. That means we have somebody with a really nice camera comes in and records them. And I make them watch their videos, not just once, not twice, but three times. They watch with no sound. They then listen with no video. And then they watch and listen. And each time they notice different things. But here is the number one takeaway they have. They all say, I look less nervous than I felt. And that makes a lot of sense because you have insight into many factors that we just observing you don't. We You can feel your heart rate. You know what you intended to say versus what you're saying. You know what you practiced to say. So this is all to say, Tristan, that a lot of times we get very freaked out about minor things that others don't notice because they just don't have the insight that we do. Now, that said, Bad stuff happens. Let me tell you, I've done lots of things that have embarrassed myself in front of others and have been awkward. A couple things to do. One, try to avoid highlighting it unless you absolutely need to. So let me give you an example. If you blank out, we're in the midst of a conversation, I'm presenting something and I blank out instead of saying, Oh my goodness, I forgot, which now takes everybody out of the moment of the conversation and now they're focusing on everything you, you're about to say in a different way. They're not listening for the content. They're li- listening for what's he going to do to fix the mistake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Rather, distract your audience. Give yourself some time to think. So if I blank out when I teach, I will do this. I don't tell my students I blanked out. I'll simply say, I want to pause for a moment. And I'd like for you to think about how what we've just talked about could impact your life or how you could use what we just talked about. You're not thinking, oh, Matt just forgot. You're thinking, wow, he really wants me to learn this stuff. I could use it in this way. So first, realize it's not as bad as you think it is, because people aren't focused on you as much as you think. Second, yeah. distract or redirect people so you can catch up, catch your breath, catch your voice, and then move on. There are lots of other things we can do, but those are two really important points.
0: I like that, man. That that does make a lot of sense. And I, as you're saying these things, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I see when I do that,
1: right? Oh, I didn't... I'm Captain cool. Obvious. Yeah, this is so good.
0: Well, you put it—you put it in writing. That's the thing, right? You put yeah. it into a system into a process. Yeah, that's true. It, it makes a lot of sense. I like this, and so yeah. when we're going deeper, and we're now we're we're communicating with, let's say, staff, because a lot, our large part of our audience is on our entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. business owners. What we're com- communicating with staff? How do we do a better job to make sure that we're not forceful. We're not overly confident. So it comes across in a mm-hmm. in a derogatory manner. How do we connect
1: better there? Two things come to mind. First, you really need to know your audience. What does your audience need? I mentioned earlier, it's all about empathy. Many of us, when we start communicating, we start by thinking all the things that we want to say. Here's what I have to say. Here's what I need to get across. And I'd argue that's the wrong place to start. I challenge you to think, what does my audience need to hear on this topic? And when you take this audience-centric, empathetic approach, it changes not only the content you say, but the way in which you say it. True. So the first thing we have to do is think about the audience. The second is tone really matters. I am a huge fan of two things, starting with gratitude, and second, leveraging questions. So instead of me telling you something, is there a way I can ask a question that gets you to collaborate with me on that topic. So I I could say, here are the three things we need to do to be more productive. Or I could say, let's work together to talk about what are the things we could do to be more productive. I'm going to get to the same place, but it sounds very different. It engages you in a very different way. So we have to start by thinking what does our audience need, and then challenge ourselves to think about what are the ways I can talk about this that get others involved. Think back to the the most recent time you talked with your team or a team. Could you have asked a question to start that conversation that you think might have engaged people more than than probably how you started by declaring something? Dude, one hundred percent.
0: I actually I was thinking about that when you asked. Yeah, Yeah, and I was thinking at what point in. In running businesses, did I start doing that? Because that's the moment that it started changing the dynamic of the culture.
1: You there were- you go. That's right. That's right. It it feels very different when you feel as a member of a team that you're part of it and somebody values your opinion and wants to hear it. Now, clearly, as leaders, there are times where we have to be declarative and we have to set boundaries, but a lot of the time, we can open it up. Now, it's scary for many people, right? Although I don't know where it's going. I don't know if everything's going to get covered. But yeah. in that interaction, in that that opportunity is where great potential for, for creative ideas, for commitment and engagement happens. So I applaud you for doing that. And and it sounds like you consciously worked on that. And that's great. More people should do that.
0: It all comes back to awareness. That's yeah. like the moment a- you start looking back. That's why... When you you mentioned the three things, I I wrote down, how do we get better at anything? Just to kind of rephrase it in my mind, Um, you said repetition, reflection, and look for feedback. So I do repetition for sure. Reflection, yes. Look for feedback, not so much. So I'm like, oh, I I need to work on that one.
1: Yeah, well, I think we all can, because seeking out feedback can be challenging, Um, and Another, so a, a couple other people I've I've interviewed on my podcast, uh, Kim Scott, for example, uh, Jonah Berger, we've talked about how do you ask for feedback? And they both say, don't ask for feedback, ask for advice, ask for guidance. Using the word feedback can make us feel like we're being judged when I ask you for feedback and it can put the other person on the spot. Feedback, I must evaluate. I have to give a lot of value here. Just, you know, what guidance do you have? What advice do you have? So just the way you ask can change things.
0: Oh, man, that that is true. And somebody I don't even know, it might have been Kim Scott, because I've talked to him before. Oh, yeah, yeah. it yeah. might have been him who said that. And I totally forgot until right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the repetition, man, the repetition. It's back here. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me, what are you what are you currently working on as the next thing you're going to take on? Because it, it seems like you, you're doing a lot of great things. But what are you working
1: on next? So what drives me, thank you for asking that, by the way. What what drives me is to really try to help people feel more comfortable and confident in their communication. So right now I am really working hard to figure out new ways and new tools to bring to people globally to help with communication. This isn't just a problem. You know, you and I are both in California. This isn't just a West Coast problem. This isn't just a United States. I mean, communication is challenging everywhere. So uh, I'm working on a lot of things. So obviously the book that's just come out, uh, trying to get that out there in the world, but also thinking about other tools and other ways to help people with their communication communication. And so that's really where I'm focusing a lot of my efforts. And and I've got lots of creative ideas and, and now it's all about focusing on them.
0: Hmm. Where, where are you going to be focusing mostly to kind of take this yeah. onto that next level?
1: I think the best way to learn communication is to do communication. So I'm looking to find Avenues to give people experience and exposure. I have uh, at at Stanford. I've taught a class for gosh, almost twelve years now, where I, along with a colleague Adam Tobin, combine improvisation with communication. And I think there's a lot of power in bringing that type of work beyond you know the Stanford campus. So, looking at video, looking at interactive tools. The other thing to, to completely take a different track on this. I'm very fascinated by AI and AI's impact on communication. So I'm doing a lot of thinking about that and trying to figure out how can we leverage AI to help us in our spontaneous communication. Uh, So those are two tracks that I'm really focused on currently.
0: I like that, man. I, I think you're right on, on the improv. Yeah. A lot of the great communicators that I talk to have said that they've taken or been part of some type of an improv class Uh Uh course that has really helped them think quicker because I thought back to something I was reading about you with, which is spontaneous communication situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, man, improv classes would be great for that. So it makes sense that you're doing that.
1: Yeah. So it, the trick with improv, though, is many people think, oh, I have to be super funny or I, uh, you know, I have to get up and perform. And that's not what improv is about at all. Improv is just about being in the moment, responding to what's needed. They have lots of fun, silly games that, that give you a, a pleasant experience trying to learn those skills. But it's really powerful. Yeah, I agree. So where,
0: where would we if we wanted to just try this ourselves and get better mm-hmm. at, at improv? Yeah, at improv. What are some suggestions you think we can apply here?
1: Or so absolutely. So there are lots of ways to learn improv. Most cities have some uh, improv uh, instruction. Where you are, uh, you know, in Southern California, there's a tremendous amount of uh, improv activity. Up here in the the Bay Area, where I am, there's there's stuff as well. So look at universities, look at schools, look for just search improv. There's an amazing book. Uh, that it was life transformational for me. And in fact, you should consider interviewing this woman. Uh, It's a book called Improv Wisdom, very short book. It's by Patricia Ryan Madsen. She's a friend. uh, And and the book is, is, like I said, transformational. It's applying improv principles to life. Um, So Lots of things people can do to to do that. Uh, improv is all around. If you work for an organization or company, there are there are companies that will come to your firm and and teach as a team building activity, as a communication enhancing activity. I do some of this consulting myself, so there are lots of ways to get people uh, these these skills around improv for sure.
0: All right, man. So after everyone here gets think faster, talk smarter, then you can pick up improv there you go. Them. look,
1: you're part of my PR team. <laughs> I'm funny. just saying, let's get it right. right? Yeah, I like the priorities <laughs> there.
0: Uh, all right. So I'm going to go back to now your teaching. Yeah, sure.
1: Stanford, uh-huh.
0: what have you found in teaching a long time to great students? What, what has been the most difficult part of students learning to, to better communicate? What's the biggest challenge?
1: Uh, It's changed over the years. I've been teaching communication for for as you said a long time. I think you called me old there, Uh, but (laughs) I I, uh, really uh, uh, thank you, thank you. Yes, the rings on this tree are are deep. Um, So it's changed over time. I think the biggest challenges younger folks have now is focus there are so many competing channels and tools for communication that it is just hard. You know, I talked to my MBA students and, and they, they, of course they're all more than just students. They're all founding companies. They're working for non They're doing all this stuff. And when they itemize just how many different modalities they have for communication. I mean, Tristan, you and I grew up when there was a telephone or you met with somebody in person, right? You had two choices, or maybe you wrote a letter, you know, we, my my students have at least six or seven different channels that they're managing for communication and they do so pretty adeptly, but that's hard. It's hard to focus. You know, are you on your Slack? Are you doing a DM? Are you, are you texting? You know, there are all these different ways. And so currently I think the biggest challenge people have is focus and it's about prioritization and it's about turning off literally some of the channels at certain times so you can actually focus and get work done. Uh, that, to me, I think is the biggest challenge, and it's one over the last few years that's gotten much worse.
0: Do you think that that's where a lot of the ADHD problems and AD, AD whatever all those other problems are?
1: So I, I happen to know uh, a, a bit about ADHD, and I I, th- I don't think that the technology is causing it. I think it is exacerbating it. People who have attention issues... Uh, technology can absorb them in, in, and it can distract, but I don't think it's causing it. I do think it can make it worse. And in some ways it can help, but uh, we all are, are, all of us are having attention issues around technology. I mean, as you yeah. and I are talking virtually right now, I, I've i got things on my laptop lighting up uh, messages, people <laughs> trying to, you know, I've got yeah. ads coming. I mean, and I've tried to minimize all that as best I can. So it's really hard. For us to pay attention, period. Do you
0: think? Do you think humans then haven't really evolved fast enough to cope with the speed at which all of these notifications are coming in? Well,
1: so we're you know we're certainly bringing a, a brain that was designed for different circumstances to this, and it is clear to me and people who study this and and some of the folks I teach with uh, that people are manipulating our biology to have us focus on certain things right you know clickbait is all tapping into primal evolutionary biases and focus areas that we have so um i do not believe that we have evolved to be phone carrying ai enabled beings so i do think that that that's a problem but uh, I also know that through practice, through discipline, through focus, that we can manage a lot of this. It's just, it's hard to do that. How do you do it? How do I deal with it? Not How well. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> not well. Um, Wait, what I will do, what does your things, wife see about it? What does your wife see about you it? She would say, you? not well. Uh, so, uh, a few things that I try to do uh, I try to focus certain times of day to do certain types of communication. So, in the morning, I will do my email. And I try not to do other things. And then I'll move on from that. And later on in the day, I'll come back. That doesn't mean I'm not checking occasionally. So I try to Mm -hmm. allocate certain times of day to certain types of communication. Uh, I try definitely to, when I have any conversation that I can take while moving and outdoors, I will do. There's a lot of research that says being outdoors can help ground you, help you get present oriented. So do I need to see this person to have just an update conversation or can we both just be on the phone and take a walk? I also make sure to take walks without having my phone and technology. So part of it is becoming disciplined. Part of it is setting certain times and, and also when possible, trying to find ways to connect with people. So, you know, I will purposely set up with coworkers, just time to have a coffee or go for a walk where we're not talking about work, we're just trying to connect. I find that that makes the times that we do have to connect and do work much easier. So those are some of the things I do. But I again, I am not very good at this. Well,
0: I I like that you said that. That you you're making that I'm not effort. good at it? Okay. No. <laughs> well, that too, because oh, okay, you know, great. All right. we can relate. We can relate. we both suck at it. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh man. <laughs> no, but that you're making it a priority. Yeah. to put it in front of you to actually work on this. Yeah. So what were you, you mentioned that your students a long time ago or a longer time ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, yeah. the challenge was different. What was the challenge if it wasn't focused?
1: You mean focus, but it wasn't uh, focusing on distraction. So yeah. um, a lot of, uh, I would say the big thing that happened before the, the, the focus issue is issues of just being concise and clear. Um, it is, attention span has been reducing. So not only do we have more modalities that are that are trying to compete for our attention, over time, people's attention span has gotten shorter. And so the issue that I was dealing with my students maybe eight, 10 years ago is how do you make your messages more concise so they stand out? Mm. So, and, and concision is so, something we still all need to work on. But that was, I would say, the wave of focus Prior to dealing with the competition for our attention, it was how to make our messages more clear and concise.
0: All right, I like that. Let's let's go to AI then, really quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you watch. look. I don't know if you watch South Park or if you saw that episode about AI when they texted. Yeah. Little guys texting yeah. using ChatGPT for better communication with their girlfriends.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, they're, they're dating apps where. You literally, your chat bot is talking to somebody else's chat bot. So so you have no idea if, what the real person is like.
0: It's like, who are you in person? All right, exactly.
1: Exactly. So
0: yeah. Totally. With AI. How does that improve or hurt our communication?
1: Give me a second. I'm going to type that into chat GPT and see what it says. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, hold on. Yeah, give me, give me a second. No. So uh, actually. I interviewed chat GPT on my podcast. When it first came out, um, my producer and I were talking about, Hey, we should do something on chat GPT. And we started talking about who we could interview. And then we came up with the idea, let's just interview it. And it was a fascinating interview. It, 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 it we, we put, um, text to voice. So we typed in the questions, put text to voice, edited it as if I was oh. actually interviewing it. And it's really, it's really interesting. So I think Generative AI can help us in our communication. Let me give you some examples of where I think it can be helpful. I I teach a lot of non-native speaking students in the world. There are many people speaking languages that are not their own. Using generative AI to check and to help you figure out the vocabulary, the syntax. There's value in that. I'm not saying you just take and read what, what it creates, but you could check. What's the best way to say this? It can be used to help you in spontaneous moments. If you're going for a job interview, you can use generative AI. Say, I'm interviewing for this role at this company. Give me five questions. It can generate questions for you to answer. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, as a teacher, uh, there are lots of opportunities. I believe one of the best ways to teach is to provide examples for people. But I don't have a lot of time to provide all the permutations and examples possible. I do two or three. With a generative AI, I can now provide eight or 10 examples uh, for people. So I see benefit in the tool. I am also very concerned about it. I I think it brings things to a lowest common denominator, potentially. Uh, I think there are opportunities for people to get lazy and not critically think in the way that you need to. I believe, when you communicate strategically. So I, I'm truly ambivalent on this. I, I truly am. I see the benefit. I use it in my own life, in my own teaching. I also see the challenges. Uh, I, I see, I worry, I'll be very candid. I have a very young nephew, you know, elementary school age, and I worry about his experience learning to communicate. If everything's done through a chatbot, through generative AI, Where's that art? Where's that creativity? Where's that beauty that can come through the way we communicate? Um, so I worry about things like that. Maybe I'm wrong to worry about it. So long-winded answer. I, I haven't solidified my thoughts on it, except to say that I think it has great potential and potential harm.
0: Yeah, you make a good point, man. I didn't think about the creativity part. It does, it has the potential to really impede our creativity as humans if we rely on it a lot. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And and I don't know what that means. I mean, what happens to poetry? I've used chat GPT to generate poetry and it's yeah. beautiful, but is it missing something? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I agree. So how how are you using it specifically for what you do? How does it help you on a daily there.
1: Well, I'll, I'm not using it daily yet, but uh, what what I will do is one, I use it as a research tool, so it helps me to to do research to find things I'm interested in. Cool. Second, uh, I use it as um, a a way of uh, generating questions. Uh, I, I love I what works for me in preparation. When I when I give a a lecture or a presentation, mine are question based. So if you were to look at my outline, it's not bullet points, it's a series of questions that I'm going to answer, and I've used generative AI to help me create some of those questions in a more clear way. And I certainly as a teacher use it to help me create different examples. So I'll upload so let's say I'm teaching students how to be more concise in writing email. I have a couple examples that I've used for years. I now type those examples into generative AI, and I now have many, many more examples that I can use. So that's how Mm,
0: I'm using it. I like that, man. It goes back to when you're when you answered my question when you said, "Well, you've got to think first. What does my audience want?" And you start asking questions that way. It makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I like. Yeah, that's how I communicate. Yep.
0: Very cool. All right. Where do people go follow you? Where do people go find
1: out more about you? (laughs) Well, thank you. So uh, mattabrahams.com is a great place to go. Uh, Matt's got two Ts and Abrahams is just like Abraham Lincoln with an S at the end. Um, I have lots of videos up on uh, YouTube. You can just search my name, you'll find them. And uh, most importantly, I hope people think about the book think faster talk smarter or join in the podcast think fast talk smart you can see i'm not very creative with names i just take the same name and add things to it So working. <laughs> it's
0: working yeah i like that man well matt thank you so much for being on i, I appreciate it. it
1: was fun tristan thank you so much those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today if you like what you're hearing drop us a review or just tell your friends This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.